It's the Misdeeds and Intrigue podcast, featuring stories of royals, scandals, and true crime. Here are your hosts, Carrie and Larissa. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to Misdeeds and Intrigue podcast. I'm your host, Carrie. And I am Larissa. Hello, Miss Carrie. Hello. How are you doing? Good to see your smiling face. (laughs) Not in person, but over Zoom. I love it. Oh my God. We got to get into it. Did you actually see the photo about Prince Andrew? No, I can't find it. Can you find it? No, all I heard was that it would embarrass the palace if it was released. <sighs> Give some background. But how do they know it actually exists? So, okay. So going back, I read this tweet and this treat is from Lisa Tate, I believe. And it has the mirror article and it says Newsnight photographer has shocking photo of Prince Andrew that could rock monarchy. And I'm going to, it says, it is claimed Prince Andrew insisted the jaw-dropping picture taken on the day never becomes public, but an insider close to Newsnight refused to rule out a version appearing in a rumored new film. So was this taken the night he did the interview on Newsnight and said, I never sweat. I've got a problem. I don't sweat. July of this year, Epstein was arrested on charges of sex trafficking and abusing mm-hmm. dozens of underage girls. Mm-hmm. One of Epstein's accusers, Virginia Roberts, yeah. has made allegations against you. She was very specific about that night. Mm. She described dancing with you no. and you profusely sweating and that she went on to have baths, there's a, there's possibly... A, there's a slight problem with, 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 with the sweating um, because... Uh, I, I have a peculiar medical condition, which is that I don't sweat, um, or I didn't sweat at the time, and that was oh, actually, yes, I didn't sweat at the time because I um, ha- had suffered what I would describe as an overdose of adrenaline in the Falklands War when I was shot at, uh, and I simply it, it was it was it was almost impossible for me to to, to sweat. On that particular day that that, that um, uh, we now understand is the date, which is the 10th of March, uh, I was at home. Uh, I was with the children. I'd taken Beatrice to uh, a Pizza Express in Woking. Why would you remember that so specifically? Why would you remember a, a Pizza Express birthday and being at home? Because going to Pizza Express in Woking is an unusual thing for me to do. If he doesn't sweat, it's only because in the last few years, they put like the Botox in his glands. That's what I think. No, but he said even before, like when he was in battle, when he was flying the brazen hussy. Remember, that was the name of his helicopter. (laughs) Um, He said he doesn't sweat. He was born with a clinical problem where he doesn't sweat and I'm not buying it. That's so gross that he even said that. I know. I mean, there's a good side to that. You never have ball sweat, but, you know, <laughs> you never have to use gold bond, right? So there's been a lot of stuff out in the news, too, about Harry and Meghan. I think Meghan's about to go down. Do you think she's going to run for office, though? I think she's going to try. Two GOP senators say Markle called them out of the blue to pressure them to support paid family leave for every mom and dad in America. Senator Susan Collins of Maine and Shelley Moore Capito of West Virginia both say the Duchess of Sussex rang them up. And how do you suppose she got those phone numbers? Well, from a Democratic senator. Kirsten Gillibrand of New York admits that she gave them to Markle, who used her high and mighty title in introducing herself and everything. 
Republican Senator Lisa Murkowski of Alaska has been told to expect a similar phone call. House Democrats have added four weeks of taxpayer-funded guaranteed family leave to a giant social policy bill. It's likely to be sliced out by senators, though, unless a few Republicans break from their party and endorse the idea. But what's she going to go down for? Tell me. Let's get okay, this out. Okay, so there's a book that's being written right now. By whom? I think it's a journalist. Do you know that? Do you recognize the person? The Revenge of the Palace? No. Is it Harry a British Meghan? journalist or an American journalist? Is I think they have a lot of insight. And they're getting a lot of verified sources. So I don't know if they, I think what Harry and Meghan do is they try to bring lawsuits. Mm -hmm. So as long as there's a lawsuit out there pending, which they have a bunch of them, then they can say, oh, this isn't true. Yes. But in this case, like the Vanity Fair magazine, she basically told Harry it was for the hundredth episode of Suits, which the editors didn't even know what that was. The only reason why she got it was because she was dating Prince Harry and the palace told her do not mention like all these do not mention topics and of course that's when she announced and this is when i was telling jody as like she's totally utilizing from we hate we we love to hate everything yes our buddy jody and i remember at that time i was like yeah she's totally selling the palace out like she's totally acting like she got the prize here and utilizing it to get into vanity fair which she did but she thought they were going to write a piece about her philanthropy and all that. Basically, she wanted to look like Princess yeah. Diana, impress the palace and all that, and set out this new rep as this activist. And they couldn't verify any of her shit. So they focused on the the hairy part. And they're like, what else do you think we're going to write about? Like, we don't fucking know who she is. And then we can't verify any of her social activism. And then she comes out with the whole hairy thing. Like, it's totally connected with who she is. Yeah, and this was before they were even engaged, right? Well, we're joined now by royal biographer Tom Bauer. Tom, great to see you. You've got this blockbuster book. I've been reveling in your extracts. Very juicy stuff. First of all, your reaction, Prince Harry popping up at the United Nations of all places on Nelson Mandela Day, preaching away about climate change again, having apparently got there by private jet again, um, preaching about politics in America, which no royal's supposed to ever do, so the, the Constitution's being wound back and so on, um, whining about sort of the terrible, painful year he's had and all the rest of it. What do you make of this? Why does he do this? What does he think he achieves by it? Well, and also saying all that work to do in Africa, which he dedicated his life to, but prefers now to paddle in the Pacific in Santa Monica. Right. Well, he does it because he needs a profile. That's mm. the only way they can get money, by showing the profile. And for Netflix, everything is built around, around the future documentary series to promote the uh, Sussexes. When you're as rankly hypocritical as Harry is, you know, preaching about climate change, using private jets all the time, when he doesn't have to... Is there not a point where the United Nations should avoid using people like him on a Mandela Day, for example? Well, it was pretty empty, the auditorium, wasn't it? It was quite empty. And the United Nations is quite famous for being a centre of hot air. So I think it's the right place on this day. But what was unbelievable was, I mean, Mandela's legacy was really betrayed by the South Africans. Mm. And, you know, South Africa could have been a completely different country if Mandela had been able to live for a few more years. And I just thought that he skitted over all the problems of Africa and the self-inflicted problems while he just lives in luxury in Montecito. And he made made reference to Mandela 20 times in this brief speech, clearly trying to draw some kind of parallel 
between his own struggle and long walk to freedom as this great, inspiring historical figure who literally spent three decades nearly in a tiny cell. Well, you know, Piers, you're the first person to say how limited Prince Harry is, unfortunately, (laughs) and and how his wife trades off her husband's fame and fortune, or not so great fortune now. And if their importance is d- diminished, which I hope my book will do, show what really... Any lawsuits yet? Nominally? No, too early, too early. It won't be long. <laughs> it won't be long. It's when Meghan Markle goes to meet Harry's friends for the first time. And they're all his old mates from the royal days. They've all been to Eton, most of them and so on. And they have a kind of certain banter, which Harry used to thoroughly enjoy, pretty sexist and misogynist and so on and so on. And they're spraying around all their normal jokes... And Megan is picking them up on every single one, and it's driving them nuts. Yeah. Well, this is at Sandrium, a weekend shooting party, which was quite normal mm. for Harry. And he just thought they'd all get on together, but in fact, the opposite. I mean, Megan is someone who doesn't hold herself back from complaining about people's way of manner, their way they talk, the way they behave, and all the rest of it. She has a narrative, and she's a very domineering woman, and so she asserted herself. And what was amusing was on the way home, from Sandringham, they're all texting each other, oh, my God, mm. what a nut- nutter, how on earth can he stay with her? And the same thing happened when they went to Tommy Inskip's uh, wedding in Jamaica, mm. uh, which was a, friend, a great friend of Harry's who, in the end, was banned from the uh, dinner after their wedding. Yeah, well, quite, I, know, I know at least three of the very good friends were apparently... Were banned, or by known. Megan. And, and then and they saw all these celebrities filing it. Exactly. Who'd known her about three minutes. Yeah, if that. And Megan was really, she controls everything. So it was a great cameo. Tell me about uh, the Queen. The Queen, apparently, you report, didn't want Meghan at Philip's funeral. Why? Well, she she didn't want to be... The attention diverted from Philip. If Meghan had been there, she would have uh, got all the attention. I mean, the Harry walk up the hill with uh, William was... That just showed how the media was focused Mm. on the reconciliation and everything after Oprah. So when she said to one of her aides, thank goodness Meghan isn't coming... She meant it, and it was a heartfelt. Was it the Queen that kicked them off the balcony at the Jubilee? Well, I think it was the Queen, but also I'm sure Charles and William mm. had a big say in that. They weren't going to allow Netflix to dominate their, their big celebration. So she also, the only thing that she had them retract was she was living with a chef until May or July of that year, and she met Harry July. So she wanted that retracted to make sure that it didn't look like it overlapped. Did it overlap? She probably went on that. Or she probably went on that first date for drinks and like got home and said, "Dude, you're moving out immediately." She probably packed his bags that night. I mean, maybe he had some boxes there. I know it's midnight, but uh, this has to be done immediately. I'm gonna marry myself a motherfucking prince, and you need to not be in the picture. Yeah, I got the movers coming to you. Just like she sent her ring and told her ex husband it was over. Someone wants you to be someone, someone's, well, that's the thing is everyone always had every detail of every ex Harry ever had. And it would go through the things he liked and didn't like, and there, whatever they would have a fight about would be publicized. So you could literally go through all those interviews and all all those articles and say, okay, he didn't like this about Cressida. He didn't like this about, oh God, what was the other main one? Oh, I totally think that she totally was just like... I mean, you, if you pick anybody that's a public figure, right? Chelsea, Let's say yeah. Andrew, not that you're going to go after him. You literally could prepare a 
dossier on what you think he would be looking for. And you could show up and be that because there's so much information about him and all that. It's not, it's not hard to be what I want to start a charity in Africa. Yeah. If you know that much information that's out there, he was with, that was in Africa. She's from Africa, uh, Chelsea Davies and how he did an interview saying that his ideal would be to live in Africa, be under the stars in Africa. And that's where he brought Megan. And I think she was telling him, Oh, I love Africa. I love Africa. And they haven't gone back since. I guess I think of the first time that I went to, when I did how old I was when I first went to Africa, I was tiny. I went to, I think, with my dad to a Spice Girl concert in Johannesburg, perhaps. Yes. Not that I'm particularly proud Not of. that stuck in your mind. Uh, think, right? yeah. From a young prince who wanted to bury his head in the sand to a man who wants to make a real difference in the world, Prince Harry has opened up about how Africa has changed his life forever. I think in 1997 I went to Botswana and that's when I really fell in love with, with Africa and what it has to what it has to offer. I think... Anybody that I've spoken to who's been to Africa, most of the people get it, and, and Africa gets them. For me personally, it's an escape. And now not only have I found that escape, but I've found a way to try and use the name and the position for good. So- the documentary was filmed in Lesotho, where Prince Harry co-founded Centre Bali, a charity that helps young people affected by HIV and AIDS. We've got the drugs and the pills to be able to give these kids a healthy, happy, long life, yet we're not educating them or empowering them to make their own decisions. You can't just give people medication and go, right, if you take this for the rest of your life, twice a day, you'll be fine. It just doesn't work like that. Prince Harry admits he struggled with his role as a member of the royal family after his mother, Princess Diana, died in 1997. Today, though, he's following in her footsteps and says he feels lucky to be in a position to make a difference. I have this love of Africa, which will, it will never disappear. It will be there. And I hope that it uh, carries on in, you know, with my children as well. The other thing I was thinking about is uh, I was reading an article that, you know, he's like a stay at home dad now. He's the one that takes care of the kids while she jets around to her meetings and she's out and about. She does all, she goes to Oprah's and there's Netflix things and Spotify and all these brand deals. He's the stay at home dad, not her. Are you sure about that? I, I feel that they hired a very uh, famous producer to do their Netflix show. Is that correct? I don't know. You would know more about that than me. Uh, I don't know. I heard it was. That's the only thing, though, is if you mess it up as a producer, if you mess that up or if it's not exactly what Netflix wants, your name is going to be everywhere for the one that could not deliver. I would hate to be a producer on that. Because can you imagine that we're like, why are we not seeing more behind the scenes? Why are we not seeing any queen? Why are we not seeing any royal family, even the extended members? Why were there not cameras at the first birthday party for Lilibet? Why is none of this happening? Ivana Trump passed away. She helped her husband build an empire well before he won the White House. And tonight, the former president and his children mourning Ivana Trump. The NYPD responding to a 911 call shortly after noon from her apartment on Manhattan's Upper East Side. The 73-year-old was found at the bottom of the stairs, unconscious and unresponsive. She was pronounced dead on the scene. Ivana Trump met her future husband in 1976. She was a model. He, a budding mogul. 
The next year, they were married. Look and the brain and the energy and the really potentials. You know, Donald always had a great head on his shoulder. And I saw the potential. Really. She's a very nice woman, a very nice person. She's a friend. She's a lot of things. Together, they were the ultimate 80s power couple, crafting an image of glamour and excess, coupled with business savvy. She had a nickname for him, and it stuck, the Donald. As a boss, you have to be a leader, and you have to say what you want. You have to tell them, you have to motivate them. But it didn't last, and just as the tabloids documented their marriage, they ran with their divorce. And Ivana Trump becoming known for something else, her grit and resilience. She went on to launch businesses of her own, a clothing line, jewelry, writing several books about her relationship with her ex-husband. When we sat down in 2017, Ivana Trump told me her ex-husband, by then the president, had offered to name her ambassador to the Czech Republic. Donald called me and he said, if you want to take the position, I give it to you. But I said, I would not have a freedom. Bye-bye to, to Miami in the winter, bye-bye to New York in spring and fall, bye-bye to Saint-Tropez, and I spent all summer long, so I declined. I know, I thought of you. You've met her. Yeah, I had dinner with her one night in France, not me by myself, but uh, there were a few of us at the table and that was the night I learned all I needed to know about her ex-husband and more than I needed to know. I heard that she was the brains behind the operation. She didn't really have many good things to say about him. Probably nothing. Really? They make it sound like they were good friends. I'm just confused as to why I know that anyone can have a cardiac arrest at any point in time, but I know she was married to that young buck. I'm hoping there was no foul play involved. I don't think there was. Wasn't he the one that died recently and she went to the funeral? Wait, really? Rosanna Rubicondi's death at 49 years old has left his ex-wife Ivana Trump devastated. Trump, 72 confirmed her ex-husband's death to people on Saturday after Ruby Condi's friend and Italian TV personality Simona Ventura announced his death on Twitter Friday. Trump and Ruby Condi, who briefly married in April 2008 after six years of dating, divorced less than a year after tying the knot in Palm Beach, Florida, after an often long-distance marriage filled with many ups and downs. Sources previously told People the more than 20-year age gap between the pair did not contribute to their split, but conflicts between Ruby Condi and Trump's children put a significant amount of pressure on the short-lived marriage. Look it up. Mm. Yes, so her ex-husband passed away earlier this year, and she's been kind of a recluse since then, but whatever, what did her ex-husband pass away from? Um, was it like kidneys or liver or something? I can't find out what it was from. She died of cardiac. Maybe she died of a broken heart. I don't know. You've met him too, didn't you? Uh, he was not at that dinner. Uh, there was someone else at that dinner. This was a while ago. This was 2006 or 2007. So it said that details about his death haven't been officially announced, but he died of a cutaneous melanoma type of cancer that develops in the pigment producing cells of the skin it's the most serious type of skin cancer Ooh, oh my god that's crazy 
They got married in 2008 after dating for six years. They tied the knot at Trump's second husband's Mar-a-Lago Resort in Palm Beach, Florida, and her daughter Ivanka served as her maid of honor. The couple filed for divorce the following year, but were reportedly kept an on-off relationship. In 2018, she performed alongside Ruby Kondo in Dancing with the Stars. Wait, so she was divorced? Yeah, they said they were on and off uh, during that time period. So I got big news. I don't know if you're a Narcos fan like me, but tell me, did you hear about the arrest? Yes. Mexico captured the infamous drug lord Rafael Caro Quintero on Friday, the man who was behind the murder and torture of a U.S. DEA agent in 1985. However, it appears to have come at a tragic cost. Authorities say at least 14 people were killed and another seriously injured when a Black Hawk helicopter supporting the operation crashed in northern Sinaloa state. President Andres Manuel López Obrador said Mexico's Navy would investigate the cause of the crash and that the helicopter had been supporting the kingpin's capture. Drug Lord Caro Quintero was a co-founder of the now-defunct Guadalajara cartel and evaded authorities for over a decade after walking out of a Mexican prison and returning to the drug trade. The U.S. government hailed the arrest and said it would waste no time in requesting an extradition. Sinaloa, where Caro Quintero was caught, is one of Mexico's drug trafficking heartlands. He spent 28 years in prison for the brutal murder of former U.S. DEA agent Enrique Kiki Camarena, a notorious drug war killing that was dramatized in the Netflix series Narcos Mexico, and a low point in relations with the U.S. Caro Quintero has previously denied involvement in the killing. After his decades in prison, he was released in 2013 on a technicality by a Mexican judge, embarrassing the previous government. He was the that was the whole focus of the first season of Narcos, right? Wow! And they got him because he was in jail at one point, and then he got out. And they got him again. The interesting part of that, and that's why I couldn't watch the season three of Narcos, because apparently when I did a little deep digging, basically no one was held responsible mm. for his death, Kiki. The doctor mm. from the show, if you remember, yes. the one that did the torturing that they heard on tape, he ended up going into our witness protection. Really? Yeah. If you really dig into who was involved, even if you watch the last, there's one like the last DE agent or the last Narcos. And he was a Narcos agent. And according to him, he says that Kiki's boss even lied on the stand. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, if you watch that, but when you, even if you take him out, even if you're like, oh, that guy's totally, you know, the guy doesn't have anything to lose Mm -hmm. now because he's retired and all that. And he was talking about it. But if you dig in on who was involved, no one was held responsible ultimately and and the way that the last narcos the way he described and this was before i even watched that i knew that because i was like trying to dig in i was so bothered by it and the third one just didn't really happen like they really fantasized it it wasn't as legit and i think i told you the colonel's ex-wife worked for da and stuff she knew the two agents from the Pablo series, but, and Kiki's wife, I think, I think they're involved in a golf tournament or a scholarship and uh-huh. stuff. They still revere him to this day yearly and all that. Wow. She's met his son. I think his son is like a judge out in California or wow. something. Chill, darling. I remember being at a gym when all of a sudden news comes on the screen and I stopped. I said, oh my God, they've got Kiki. Kiki always wanted to do the right thing. At 18, he wanted to be an FBI agent. 
Kiki was one of the guys that you would want on your team. He was good at what he did, and he inflicted tremendous pain on the cartel. And they were not going to take that sitting down, and they did. Yo tengo de principio al fin la muerte de Kiki. Te decía algo también me quebramos junto por ello. I remember the children coming home. I had to tell them that he had been tortured. Still too early to go to Tiffany's. I guess the next best thing is a drink. I will never be the woman with the perfect hair who can wear white and not spill on it. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Let's play a game, all right? On the count of three, name your favorite dinosaur. Don't even think about it, just name it. Ready? One, two, three. Hey, it's me again, and you thought you probably had enough of my voice by now. Just a quick reminder to find us and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Miss Intrigue Pod. Follow us on Pinterest and Flipboard where we collect featured stories from across the internet of royalty, chronicles of interesting events in history, and of course, true crime. Lastly, check out our YouTube channel because everyone has one, right? That features playlists of documentaries and other related segments from our podcast topics. And if you want to hit us up, check out Miss deeds and intrigue podcast.com but we don't have a complaints department just to give you a little heads up the podcaster or authors assumes no responsibility or liability for any errors or omissions in the content of this podcast the information contained on this podcast is an as is basis with no guarantees of completeness accuracy, usefulness, or timeliness. A reasonable amount of effort was made to deliver precise data. All views expressed by the podcast hosts or guest co-hosts are their own and do not necessarily represent the opinion of any entity whatsoever with which Carrie, Misdeeds, or Intrigue Podcast, or Larissa have been, am now, or will be affiliated. The content of this podcast is for personal, informational, and entertainment purposes only and is not to be viewed for commercial use. Misdeeds and Intrigue podcast respects the intellectual property of others. Any audio clips that were not generated by the podcast host or producer was pulled from the public domain, free use sites, and or from YouTube or other authorized sites to gather information. The utmost effort was made to credit the author and or production. If at any time you feel that copyright was infringed, please email Carrie at misdeedsandintriguepodcast.com and immediate action will be taken to remove the audio clips that were present for entertainment purposes only.